Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for the first time in 2016. I hope everybody had a fantastic Christmas and New Year. You got all you wished for. You spent all your time with your family and your friends. You drank as much as humanly possible. You ate as much as humanly possible. And you hopefully got sunburnt like I did. It was so sick. Um, Starting things off for the new year, as promised in the live podcast, the first episode for this year is with my mother. This I recorded this during the Christmas break on Boxing Day, in fact, at a lovely hotel in Brisbane with my mum, where I spent my Christmas time. Um, my mum's name is Alison Verhoeven. I've wanted to talk to her on the podcast for, well, since I started it, because she's a very interesting person. Um, I love her dearly. And she had a huge influence on me uh, growing up, and she continues to have a huge influence on me to this very day. Um, I have a very close relationship with my mum, and she's someone who has, in every way possible, impacted on my life. So I thought it would be cool to talk to her about her influences on me and her um interaction with music when she was a child, what it was like for her, what it was like for her growing up in Queensland with my grandparents, um, and what it was like raising me and my sisters. Uh, now this one isn't so focused on music as some of the other ones are, but if anything, it's just a little bit of an insight into my, uh, upbringing and myself as well as a insight into a very interesting person. My mum's, uh, you know, Quite an interesting person, if I must say so myself. So, please enjoy this episode talking to her. This will be a fantastic year. I'm looking forward to doing a lot of podcasting. I'm looking forward to talking to a lot of different interesting people. I've got a few guests lined up already that are exciting that I'll be getting into in the coming weeks. So, thank you once again for last year. Let's kick this off right. This is Oblivious Maximus episode 35 with Alison Verhoeven, my mother. Brutal! Alison Verhoeven, welcome to my podcast. I think that's the first time I've ever referred to you in your whole name. Um, yes, you're my mum. Hi, Aaron Osborne, my son. Nice to be part of this podcast. Thank I've you. I've listened to you a few times, so I'm glad yeah. to be talking to you. Well versed. Um, thank you for doing it on Boxing Day at our hotel room. My very great pleasure, son. Good. Um, okay, so as I just told you, I start them the same way by asking people how they got into music initially or what developed an interest in music for you. Now, not, I'm sure, as will come up when we do more talking, but you are not someone who is currently actively participating in the music industry. Uh, However, I wish you would pull my singing in the shower active participation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but you are someone who has a large interest in music, as I would say. I do. So when I was pretty young, I guess I was seven or eight, my mum bought a second-hand piano mm -hmm. and I had the great fortune of being sent to piano lessons, which was actually a bit of a privilege for a small country town, not so well-off family to be sent off to piano lessons. Yeah. Um, but I was sent off for piano lessons and I actually at one stage um, 
I, I came to love music so much I actually thought about being a music teacher mm. um, around the time of um, Don McLean releasing American Pie actually yes um, so I sat in a music class with Mr Thorpe yep. um, in year 8 at Heatley High School in Townsville and um, when he'd done teaching the real curriculum the, the bits about Mozart and <laughs> Bach and Beethoven he was this incredibly long haired sort of way out teacher in you know back in 1972 yeah and he'd put on Don McLean and we we would, you know, be able to, I don't know, tap along on the desk and feel like we were doing something a little bit illicit. And yeah. <laughs> I, I thought this was great and it was so cool and I really wanted to become a music teacher just like Mr Thorpe. But unfortunately he only lasted through year eight and then I got a Scottish dragon um, came on the scene in year nine and by the time she'd done with me in year ten, You'd I vowed never to be a music teacher. Yeah. So that was my start in musical life. Yeah, and was that something then that was like totally foreign to the area and the time that you were living in? Yeah, I think, well, um, certainly most of the people who grew up in Townsville um, around the time that I, you know, this was in the early 1970s, so we were just coming out of the Vietnam War and there were lots of army brats up in Townsville um, because that was the major base um, for sending troops off to the Vietnam War, so... Mm -hmm. I have to say there wasn't a lot of culture in Townsville at that time. Yeah. Or maybe there is now, but certainly certainly wasn't then. Um, so playing the piano, wanting to sing, playing the guitar, which I taught myself. Yeah. Um, none of those were things that people really um, particularly valued very highly in Townsville yeah. at that time. And so, yeah, it was a little bit odd, I guess. So with a, um, my sister and with a bunch of friends, we formed a little musical group. and. Yeah played guitar and we got you know I think the height of our career was actually appearing on a kids show on a locally produced kids show on Townsville television (laughs) Um, that must have been 1974 or 75 and I do remember the producer afterwards saying to me you know something like you know if you really want to make this a career you need to learn to sing in tune (laughs) so maybe I should continue to do in the shower yeah maybe I should have joined a death metal band it wouldn't have mattered but you know that's why I did it um Okay, so let's go back slightly further um, in the sense that, again, I don't know if I've brought him up on the podcast before, but my opa, your father, had also a very strong relationship with music. Yeah, except it was weird music. Very, very weird. But did that... So I guess... You can share the types of music. What types well, of music were you hearing at home? What types of... Well, through him I was hearing basically umpa music. Yeah. Um, and German marching songs. Um, <laughs> which are strange which things to recreationally listen to. Incredibly embarrassing. Um, <laughs> in town. Yeah, in... Well, if for anyone, basically. <laughs> um, I mean, I really wanted to have a parent who listened to cool music, but I had parent who listened to really alien music Um, and when he wasn't listening to German marching music he also didn't mind um, Caribbean kettle drums Um, so and the occasional bagpipe and he actually bought a bag bought a set of bagpipes and taught himself to play yeah a little miniature set of bagpipes that he bought from I don't know like one of those um, um, TV shopping type catalogue firms yeah so he did have, you know, he taught himself to play that. But one thing he did do, and which he did right through until the very end of his life, and in fact it was the last Christmas present we bought for him, yeah. um, was um, he played the mouth organ. Yeah, and, and he was great self-taught, at it. and he was hot. 
Yeah, yeah, he, he was, was really it. good at the mouth organ. But so I guess the way that I see it is with something like hearing American Pie and things like that. Do you think that maybe as well was a reaction to hearing all the? Oh no, I think just like any teenager, I just wanted to listen to the music of the time, and yeah. so that you know, I was going to high school, and that was the sort of music that kids were listening to in the seventies. Um, I listened to Countdown, and you know, yeah. Molly Meldrum shaped shaped the person I am today. <laughs> <laughs> My God, what a you know, yeah. <laughs> what a gift was that? Um, I mean, I went along to you know concerts in the you know late. Oh, mid to late seventies, I suppose. You know all the, mm-hmm. all the concerts that other kids were going to. Yeah. Ted Mullery Gang, John Paul Young. You know <laughs> Sherbert. I yeah. you know loved Sherbert. Yeah, yeah loved Sherbert. Yeah. <laughs> Hush. Yeah. You know I can I can still do a good rendition of Ted Mullery Gang. Jump in my car, um, <laughs> and then you know as I got a little bit older, sort of getting into music like um, the Angels and the Saints and yeah yeah. And so, midnight oil, and those are obviously all very Australian yeah. things. Was that and was that something that of the time and the place that you were living in that was your exposure was a lot to Australian music then? Um, I think because when Countdown um, came under television, there was actually a lot more exposure for Australian music than there ever had been mm-hmm. um, before that. So. And I then I went over, spent quite a lot of time overseas. Yeah. I'm in my late teens and early twenties, and you know I was proud to be Australian and proud to listen to music. I mean, I could actually remember at one stage I was teaching school in France, in yeah. the south of France, and I was teaching um, you know kids the lyrics from you know Men at Work, Come from a Land Down <laughs> Under, and yeah. you know, yeah. And, and that actually went down really well because I was living in, in Biarritz um, yeah. in the south of France where there were lots of Aussies um, surfing and there was sort of a growing interest in surfing in France in mm-hmm. the early 1980s. So there was actually quite a lot of interest in listening to music like Men at Work and Midnight Oil and, yeah. and other bands. So involving sure, but, that culture yeah, into... Yeah, I can remember listening, um, actually hearing um, Sherbert, How's That, on... Uh, <laughs> On, on a ferry going from the Hook of Holland um, to England at one stage. It must yeah, right. have been 1977 or something. Was that a shock to hear yeah, that? Yeah, I can remember sitting on the ferry thinking, wow, someone in Holland is listening to Schubert. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and I guess from... To move on to the other parts of your life. When, you know, you said earlier that you had interest in becoming a music teacher mm. and then you would later become a teacher of sorts through mm. teaching English and stuff overseas. Mm. And then when you came back to Australia, you became a teacher mm. at uh, Marist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, I, I learned a lot of religious songs there. Yeah. I can still do a good rendition of Lamb of God as well in the shower. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Um, but so when, like when you started doing working as a teacher... Was that something that just developed from spending time overseas, or was that something that you actively thought you'd like to do? No, no, I just did it. Yeah. Basically, as one does. I mean, you sort of fall into jobs in life. I mean, I think some people are really lucky. They know that they want to be a particular Mm -hmm. career. You know, they want to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, Um, mechanic, motorbike rider. Mm -hmm. Um, In my case, I never really knew 
you know, particularly what I wanted to do after I'd given up the dream of being a music teacher. Yeah. I did for a little while think about being an Italian film producer. Oh. Uh, well, just, just Italian that, films or becoming Italian? Yeah, well, you know, both would have worked really pretty nicely, but that didn't work out too well for me. So, yeah, uh, yeah so instead I became an Italian teacher. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess something that's typical, I get of our extended family and certainly our immediate family is that um travel has been a huge part of my upbringing and your life yeah and our, you know our, your sister my aunt her life as well and our, my cousins and things was that something that from like early on that was something that you wanted to have be a current throughout your whole life is travel yeah i guess um so my parents as you know, my dad, um, your opa, mm-hmm. um, came. He was born in Holland, but grew up in Indonesia and had lived in the Caribbean, and yeah. um, you know had a great interest in different cultures and languages and history, and so wanted to know as much as he could about the world, and wanted us to, you know, yeah. his children to know as much as possible about the world. Uh, I think also. Uh, my mother was a great traveller as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she was Australian, but had spent a lot of time in the early 1950s in Europe and travelling around and yeah. used to tell us a lot about it. And we were encouraged to learn other languages. So we grew up in a town where there were a lot of Italian speakers and learned to speak Italian, learned to speak Dutch. I learned to speak French at school. So, yeah. And as I said, I grew up in my last... Um, years at high school were in Townsville and that was pretty monocultural and yeah. I guess as I was sort of 16, 17 years old I, all I wanted to do was get out and go overseas and see the world and I did. I was lucky enough to yeah. go overseas at the age of 17 and spend a, a lot of time and pretty much for the rest of my life I've been out of the country almost every year somewhere yeah, yeah. seeing or doing something different and yeah. I hope I can continue to do that. Yeah, of course. It's great fun. Yeah. Um, and so I guess then, I'm obviously skipping past a lot of parts of your life here, but the most that's, important That's just part, as well, because there's some parts you wouldn't <laughs> want to talk about. <laughs> I feel like the most important part of your life starts when I enter the vault. Well, it was pretty important. <laughs> that was pretty monumental. Having a kid is a pretty monumental part of your life. Yeah. And that was pretty big. 1988 was a very, very big year. Yep. It was the uh, bicentennial of the European Settlement of Australia. You've even got a I've bicentennial got a birth, big birth certificate. certificate hanging yeah. up in your toilet. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> not the toilet. But, uh, um, but you got the corridor, far corridor, oh, yeah, right the corridor. down the end. You used to be at the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so what was it? What was it like going from? I guess because I've spoken to some people on this who have children, but none of those children have been me. No, right? <laughs> yeah. What What was it like for you in the time that you were living and working and stuff? What was it like for you having a child at that time? Well. Yeah, I mean, I guess I always imagined myself working and I pretty much went back to work not that long after you were born and um, I've basically worked ever since, more or less, one way or the other. I've either been working or studying. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a a choice, really. For most of us, 
in Australia to be able to live the sort of lifestyles we want. Yeah, you, you have to work. You have to work or you have to study or, yeah. or something. Not very many of us get to indulge in spending all of our time with our children. And yeah, yeah. For me, that was actually not only a matter of necessity but also a matter of intellect, well, intellectual stimulation mm-hmm. to work as well as to be a parent. Um, but I love being a parent. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah, it's been it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. No other no other thing that I've ever done exceeds being a parent. It's amazing yeah. being a parent. Yeah. And I'm just absolutely lucky to have you and <laughs> your sisters as the amazing people in my life. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um I guess I had lots of dreams and hopes about what you might do and seeing this as a music podcast, I probably should share some of the challenges of trying to inculcate decent music <laughs> um, into your life. Um, do. So one of the things that when I looked back on my parents um, and what they had done for me as a parent, one of the things that I really appreciated was that they'd actually given me the opportunity to learn music, yeah. um, that it was a skill set that not every kid gets an opportunity to, to no. learn. And so I was absolutely determined that each of my kids would learn um, to at least read music and, yeah, and experience, and experience it. music and appreciate yeah. it, hear different sorts of music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, um, I mean, you certainly started uh, your early piano lessons, I think, were in Taiwan. Yeah. Um, you were maybe seven years old or so. Yeah. I mean, um, I, my oldest memory of playing music that I have is playing... Well, maybe the recorder. You might have learned the yeah, recorder in like everyone, Fiji or somewhere. Everyone does Yeah. That. I think my earliest memory of actually playing music that I can remember is playing guitar and I hated it because it hurt my fingers so much. Yeah, that was in Taipei, I think, the guitar lessons. And I think I went from that to piano, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, and also in in Taipei you learnt... Well, we tried to teach you the cello. And we learned you a were, lot of different We learned a lot of different instruments, Aaron. I tried to learn them with you. Yes, um, painstakingly, I'm Painstakingly, because sure. you wouldn't practice. You were not very diligent, I'd yeah. have to say. Um, so cello, we did the cello. cello together, the Suzuki method cello. Did clarinet. Um, you did clarinet. I can tell you about... Um, something interesting that was one of your first public appearances though in music was playing playing the cello in the um, at Taipei American School on stage Um, so I was really proud because I think you'd finally learned I don't know three blind mice or (laughs) you know Mary had a little lamb or something like that and I was pretty proud because you sort of sounded like you could play a song and you know you got up on stage and you did your rendition and Mm -hmm. All the parents dutifully clapped and then a little girl came out, a little Chinese-American girl came out on the stage. She was about half your size and sat up at the piano and played this amazing, you know, piece of classical music, I don't know, or something. something, And And I just uh, hid my head in shame. (laughs) I, I think your sister then sort of, you know, um, reclaimed the family honour um, by coming out and tap dancing. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was pretty good Beautiful. too. Beautiful. Yeah, We're all natural performers. Yeah, yeah natural <laughs> performers, the pair of you. Um, so, yeah, so you did the cello, then you did the clarinet for a year. And then trombone. And then the trombone. Trombone was for a while. Trombone, you stuck out that for a little while, didn't you, yeah. the trombone, yeah. 
played I some mean, concerts you, with that. Look, and look, you had an international career, really, because you played mm-hmm. that in Taipei, and then you played in Shanghai as well. Yeah. And in Australia. And in Australia, yeah. yeah. Yeah, until I was lucky enough to be able to flog it off. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you had drums. Well, you know, you were an angry young man and, you know, it was either um, you and me going, you know, head to head as an angry young teenager or it was by your drum kit and yeah. let you work it out. And you worked it out. Worked it out. The drum kit. Well, okay, that's an interesting thing that I, again, haven't had the opportunity to talk to anyone about. And this obviously has nothing to do with music, but it's part of talking to my mum, mm. is... What was it like, obviously, uh, parent people who've listened to this before are aware that you and my father were divorced when I was 11 years old. Yeah. What was it like raising an angry teenage boy who listened to metal? Like, was it a Look, disaster? No, no, no. I don't think it, I've actually ever asked you no, about this. No, it was amazing, actually, um, because you were actually such a solid young person and, yeah. and I don't not solid physically well, you maybe well, were, <laughs> were that too but well actually you were that solid at 11 um, no but you were solid emotionally yeah um, and psychologically and um, you were a very much a rock for me in a yeah. lot of ways um, and I think I was for you yeah for sure um, and you know our, our family group was pretty tight yeah um, so I don't think that I don't think there was ever, you know, a ch- wasn't a challenge for me to be mm-hmm. a single mother, um, mothering a son. That wasn't yeah. um, anything that, I mean, I don't know that I would have mothered you any differently if I'd have remained married to your father. Yeah. It might have, might have been more financially feasible. But <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I think probably as I look back at it, the issues that I had because of you guys getting divorced... I probably would have had those issues with something else. Yeah, well, know, at that's that right. time. Yeah, I mean, it was easier to manage, you know, some emotional distress than, for example, you to be a, you know, a car thief. Or, yeah, you know, <laughs> so, sure. so yeah, I pick emotional distress any day. Yeah. Um, look, being the parent of a teenager in any circumstance is challenging. Yeah. Um, because you're a young person, you know, young people are discovering the world and. Themselves. discovering who they are yeah. in the world and where they fit and how they relate to everybody around them. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, parents want to protect their children and, yeah. um, you know, often you have ideals and aspirations for your kids which don't necessarily get met. Yeah. Um, your kids want to be the people they want to be, not necessarily mm. the person you want them to be. And, you know, it's sometimes well, that, that... It can be difficult for parents to reconcile that. But in terms of your musical interests, I do remember going to like a school concert when you, I don't know, you were like 14 or 15 and there was a metal band playing there. And it might have been the first time I'd really heard, you know, sort of really... The stuff I liked. The stuff you liked, yeah. Um, And... (laughs) If anyone can't tell, mum is frowning while she's saying this. I do remember (laughs) listening to it going, oh, God, you know, (laughs) just I'm glad I'm not that kid's parent. Yeah. And then then the next year you were playing that sort of music (laughs) yourself, you know. But, you know, hey, I was a pretty dedicated metal mum. You were. I have to say. I mean, I drove. This is before you got your licence. I was driving you to gigs. I attended your gigs. You did. You know, I was in there in the mosh pit, you know. (laughs) 
in there in the mosh pit. Can't I, I exist as a Nicaraguan? I have, I, you know, I mean, and one of the highlights of my life really is driving around in my old Volvo and, you know, I'd get these young hoons coming up beside me thinking, you know, that I was, you know, some hot metal chick only to discover that I was just your mum. Um, you know, they'd be all ready to yell out and, and they'd, 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 you know, be, become very quiet because they mm. saw it was an old lady instead in the car. Well, thank you for supporting my efforts all along. That's all right. Um, so another thing that I've touched on in this, and I don't think, I think you're the person that I can address it with and get the best response out of is that I've spoken to a lot of people on this podcast about uh, the choice of study they took the through tertiary education or vocational education or whatever. And all of those have all been people who've explored doing uh, higher education in the field of music, which I don't have a strong connection to, being that I didn't explore too much of it. And you obviously didn't either. You didn't study music in university or anything Mm. like that. But you're someone who has had quite a long lasting relationship with higher education, being that you've done a couple degrees and you spent a lot of time at university, particularly when we were living overseas and you were studying by correspondence. Mm. Um, So study for you has been something that I think you can tell me no if I'm incorrect, Mm. but it's something that you've had quite a positive relationship with Mm. being that you are quite successful in your studies. I Mm. feel, um, is that something that you felt has really, you know, obviously the career that you have now isn't something that you could get without doing, um, tertiary education. Yeah. Although the tertiary education I did, didn't necessarily prepare me for the career. I have (laughs) But so is, is, has study and things like that, was that something that while you were doing those things while we were growing up overseas when you weren't working so much, Mm. was that something that you enjoyed doing and were really actively pursuing or was that something you were doing because you had the time to do it? Look, I think um, we can all get on a treadmill and just go, um, you know, like you're you're running on the sp- you're basically running on the spot. You go to work, you yep. earn a mon- earn your money, and but you're just going on the spot. You're not actually advancing. Mm-hmm. Um, and being on a treadmill has never really been something that's particularly attractive to me. Yeah, um, I'd rather do things that help me to advance, and whether that's study or whether it's different life experiences mm-hmm. or reading or you know, taking on new challenges. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's a way to continue progressing and expanding your own horizons and your opportunities yeah. um, in life. Um, it's study isn't for everybody. It's not the be-all and end-all. I mean, yeah. it was something that I enjoyed doing and yeah. well, for a time I wouldn't go back to study now. <laughs> yeah. um, but for a time I um, particularly enjoyed um, the studies I was doing and mm-hmm. it did assist me in getting, you know, the type of career that I ha- I've had, and that's been really great. But yeah. it's not everything. I mean, I I haven't written a great song, or I haven't painted a great painting, and sure. you know, I haven't run the fastest race. <laughs> um, and to get to those goals, I might have done taken a different path. You mm-hmm. know, um, but I think one thing that has that you and I have both had in common and it's not necessarily just in study but it's in 
the sorts of things that we choose to do is that we're quite motivated people. Yeah, and I think so. We're people who have goals and that um, we're prepared to work and, and persist um, with goals, even though sometimes you mightn't always experience success along the way. So I think um, in music, for example, it's very hard to be inordinately successful. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of it's about luck, it's about people you meet, it's about yeah. being in the right place at the right a, time. A huge amount of it is that. But there's no doubt that for anyone to be successful, you know, to any extent um, in music, they've got to work hard and yeah. they've got to persist, they've got to keep on trying, they've got to sometimes fail. Mm, yeah. uh, maybe <laughs> fail many not. times. Yeah. Um, and finally achieve some form of success whatever that is and it's not necessarily you know being played the most on the radio or getting the biggest number of people at your gig sometimes it's just about feeling that you've been creative and yeah or feeling that you've connected with people in some way or other I imagine in music if I had a musical career yeah I, I would see that, different markers true. of success and yeah you know I don't know being on the cover of Rolling Stone. Yeah, yeah. Although that would be probably pretty cool. Yeah. Um, in my own career, I mean, I've been relatively successful in my own career, in my own way, but I'm mm-hmm. not what I maybe thought I might have been, Yeah. you know, in my 20s. So, I, in fact, if you'd asked me in my 20s if I, was, if I would be working in the job I'm working now, I would... I mean, I wouldn't have imagined that I would have been. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I would have really imagined I would have been, but um, I probably saw myself as um, living overseas and, I don't know, working in a company overseas or doing some sort of international business. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not doing that. Um, Yeah. And some of that's about not being persistent. Yeah, and not <laughs> not being motivated to losing interest. Yeah, um, but, and yeah, then those, taking those other things, other pathways. Those interests change though as well. Yeah. Obviously, as you grow, the things develop and the stuff that you want to do. Yeah, and it is shaped a little bit by your family. I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, not everybody does this, but in my case, I've traded off some of the things that I might have done if I didn't have children. Um, yeah to have what I thought was a happy and stable family life. And, yeah. you know, I don't resile from that. I'm really happy that I've made the choices I made. Well, it paid off with this stunning figure you're looking at now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so I guess one of the other things that I thought of that would be fun to talk to you about is how you have seen, um, I guess, the, you know how things went different maybe from when you started off with having two children and then considerably later you had a third child Mm. our my sister claire your daughter um how you've seen our lives all move from you know where we initially were we were actually talking about earlier today how you it's been interesting for you seeing the three children you have grow from children into adults now yeah like I think when you have when you have young children you see their characters in particular ways like in your case you were a very shy yeah um, quiet little child very and this will surprise the people who know you (laughs) but 
you were very timid yeah. um, child. Perhaps that was because you were living in quite different cultures. Yeah. And you sort of stood out a bit in the crowd being a very blonde, blonde very light-skinned boy. Child. Yeah, particularly living in Fiji, for example, yeah. where, um, you know, you were quite different from mm-hmm. the people around you. So you were quite a timid little boy and um, clearly you're not that now. Yeah. You're, in fact, if anybody had ever asked me out of all out of my three children which one would have been prepared to get up and perform in front of others yeah you would have been the child that I least would have chosen as being to the child that. who would do that yeah um and yeah so it is quite interesting to see that as you get older you become quite different from what you what you've been sometimes as a child yeah um but I guess one thing that I can see and I think was evident to me right from when each of my children were young was that you're all good people. Yeah. And that actually is the biggest thing that any parent would want, to have a child who's a... That's a very... A, a, a big very, marker of success yeah, for you that's then, right, too. <laughs> absolutely. becomes a, you know, a good adult. Yeah. Um, and through, I don't know, seeing seeing that sort of stuff though as well, does that... Can you sort of be reflective then on your own personality and see how, like, you've changed throughout that time then as well? Or is it a well, bit difficult for um, you? Uh, I'm probably more patient than I might have been when I first had children, yeah. maybe. Yeah. So, although it's a bit cyclical, really, because the older you get and the less patient I need to be, <laughs> um, the more impatient I'm becoming. Yeah, sure. Um, maybe more tolerant. Yeah. Um, I mean, I certainly think seeing the different people you've become and the different lives you live, not that I have any objection to any of the lives yeah. that you live, but they're not necessarily the lives I would have imagined that you might, have, had, you might yeah. have chosen. And But, you know, I'm just happy as long as you're happy. That's good. Thank you for being happy for <laughs> me. <laughs> um, okay, well, where... What sort of, like, I guess, again, most of the people I talk to are of a starkly different age bracket from mm-hmm. yourself. And it's, what do you mean that, dude? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, different from... So, and a lot of them are different from me, too. A lot of them are mm-hmm. a bit older than me. But the a question that I haven't, you know, had the opportunity to ask someone before is, what's, you know... Where do you see things going for yourself from here? Because you're at a sort of almost at a turning point for yourself too, where soon you will be coming up to the edge where you will retire. And what yes. does that hold for you beyond there? For someone who, I'm not sure if other people know this, but as I said before, you studied for a huge amount of time. And then as I can see, you've busted your ass working for a long time now too. Coming up to the age where that slows down or changes what's that feel like for you well just setting the record absolutely clear straight away i'm not babysitting anyone's grandkids <laughs> any grandkids no that's <laughs> what i want to do i just want to babysit um i might finally go back to the piano i might uh, i might um finally become the blues pianist that i, <laughs> I always was yeah um i might sing some great songs <laughs> 
know, um, so yeah. music would come full yeah, circle for you now. Yeah, music. You know, I might be able to break the piano out of the bedroom, mm-hmm. out to the living room, so I could play in front of other people. Yeah, true. Um, I might break the guitar out again. You can do that too. I, I could do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but is it something that's like? Is it something that's daunting for you having that? It's not on the horizon just yet. You obviously mm-hmm. have some years ahead of yeah. you working, but it, I just. Is that something that's like scary to think of? Um, No, not particularly because I'm looking forward to you being very successful. (laughs) And if I run out of money, I'll just, you know, come and knock on your door. Well, hopefully I can figure out how to monetize this sooner (laughs) rather than later. No, it's not scary. I mean, it's you never want to wish your life away. Um, Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that we all do is we constantly look to the future and think, what will I do? What will I be doing in a year? What will I be doing in, you know, three years, five yeah. years? You know, and when you're younger, you're thinking about, you know, I might become a parent or I might achieve this particular goal in my career or, mm-hmm. you know, I might buy a house or I might travel the world. And when you get to my age, you start thinking about, you know, where will I live? Where, how will I retire? What are the things I'll do when I don't have to go to work anymore? Yeah. Um, you don't want to wish your life away. You no. actually need to live for today, yeah, um, and enjoy every minute of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't. Um, the main thing I think about when I think about retiring is um, having the opportunity to do things that I I can't do necessarily when I'm working. Yeah, forty eight weeks out of fifty two. Yeah, um, like extended travel, mm-hmm. for example, or or doing thing indulging in things like. You know, going back for piano lessons. Yeah. I suppose I could do them while I was working, but you know, it's, to do them and have any level of yeah, of a normal life. Yeah. Well, have any level of achievement. Um, yeah. That's you know, true. you might actually like a bit of time to practice. And, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd like to do something like that again. And where are places that you have dreams of travelling to? Then, what's left for you? Well, you know, South America, I've yet to visit. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see a lot more of North America. Mm-hmm. There's pretty much every corner of Europe I'd be happy to explore again. Yeah, I've been to Africa, but only just touch the surface. I'd love to go there again. Asia, you know, everywhere. Mm. I'm happy to go. Um, Anywhere in the world has things to offer. It doesn't do. I think one of the things I've found when I've travelled is, um, you know, you can think about going to great monuments or to see great art or Mm -hmm. see sites of enormous natural beauty or places where great things of historical importance happen, but every corner of the world has its own interests, um, yeah. has has special things that you can learn and experience, and um, so I'm very open to any travel opportunities. Great. Mm. Well, I think that's good enough to keep as a podcast for now, Mum. Absolutely great. <laughs> You'll at least get one listener for this podcast, Aaron, because it'll be me. I'll just replay it and I'll share it with all my friends. Just so want to hear your own you voice. You might get a whole new audience. I hope to. You might get sort of always sort of close to retiring people who've got, you know, adult children who play heavy metal. And, uh, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Well, knows? thank you very much for doing my podcast, Mum. Thank you. I hope you have more than one listener. Was I interesting? Please, give us feedback yeah, as to whether my mum was interesting. Was interesting? Or not. Yeah. Have I got a career as a podcaster? Yeah, you could be. Yeah. Why not? You can be my co-host. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, mum. Thanks, Aaron.